97.9 FM, WCHL is pleased to present Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Nicole has over 15 years of experience as a geriatric social worker and administrator working in the long-term care industry to include skilled nursing care, Alzheimer's care, adult day care, and home care. She also worked as a family caregiver. In addition, Nicole co-founded a nonprofit in the Triangle that specializes in support for caregivers. Now, Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Welcome to this episode of Caring Connections. This is Nicole Bruno, your host, and joining me today is Richard Duncan. He is the executive director of the R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute, and we are going to be talking about how your home can help you age in place. Welcome, Richard. Hi, Nicole. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. You know, I recently heard you speak a little bit about what your organization does and what universal design is at a, at a social function, and I thought you are just the ticket of what we need here on this show. So I'm so glad that you accepted the invitation to be here today. Thanks a lot. So we just used a, uh, kind of a, a, a big catchphrase that folks are talking a lot about these days, age in place. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What does age in place mean to you? Well, we think of aging in place as a lifestyle goal Mm -hmm. that people, some people, apparently a lot of people aspire to Mm -hmm. as they grow through their middle-aged years or maybe even older. It it relates mostly to um, the desire to stay in the same home that you're in now. Sure. Um, ARP does a biennial survey of all their members, Mm -hmm. and they've been doing it for years, and every time they do the survey— Nobody wants to stay home. 85 or 90 percent of the respondents always say, I want to age in the very same home we're in right now. Well, geez, I don't even want to get out of my bed in the morning, especially on these cold mornings. That's that's an extreme example of of aging in place. That's right. Sleeping in place. Sleeping in place. That's great. So your company has a lot to do with universal design, and I have a feeling that universal design has something to do with aging in place. Talk to us a little bit about what that big term means. Sure. Yeah, aging in place is a term that describes uh, both a design process and a design result, really for the entire designed environment. We focus in built environment issues, so we'll we'll focus in our company on um, public buildings, commercial buildings, Mm -hmm. uh, products, Mm -hmm. but it really can apply to housing also, and it's about designing homes in a new way and the products that go in them um, so that uh, the house is as easy to get around in, Mm -hmm. is most accommodating to the kind of real lives that people lead and the real demographics we have Mm -hmm. in this century, uh, as easy as possible. So um, applied to uh, someone's house, it means that it can really facilitate aging in place because it doesn't provide a lot of the impediments that a standard house that most of us live in, frankly, does uh, most of the time. An impediment? What would be an impediment in a home? Well, an impediment to the home might include, let's say, a house that has stairs to get in each and every entrance. Mm -hmm. So that if you ever have the occasion, whether you're middle-aged or older, where climbing stairs is difficult or Mm -hmm. unsafe, you're forced to either uh, go through some dangerous process of Mm -hmm. going up and down the stairs every day, or worse yet, and this is really a constraint on people's lives and lifestyles, is maybe you don't do that. Maybe you find yourself increasingly trapped inside your house Mm -hmm. and isolated. Mm -hmm. So there's a real social component to to having an aging in place outcome that really works well. It's interesting that you bring up the stairs. I was sitting in a Gold Coalition meeting, which is a group of individuals that focus on what the future of aging is in a particular county in this state. And one of the members is a consumer, and we had a presentation about falls. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the fact that every single fall that he's ever had has had to do with a step. Stairs are statistically the most dangerous part of any building. 
wow. public building or home. Wow. Uh, another key uh, d- danger and safety area is um, uh, bathrooms, but stairs are really number one, uh, mm. whether it's because a lack of handrails mm-hmm. is a simple thing or bad lighting, mm-hmm. or maybe the stairs are designed and configured in a way that makes it possible for someone to miss a step. Uh, those or are even your footwear on the stairs. Because I remember when I had my second child and it was one of those middle of the night, you go get your child because they're crying. And I had socks on in the wood floors. Mm-hmm. And I went, I was carrying him and I went flying down the stairs on my back. Somehow, instead of falling forward, he rid on my tummy while I went down the stairs. Oh. And holy cow. I mean, I was if I had fallen forward, that would have been... Nice maneuver. A, oh, my God. Was yeah. I bruised? Nice so, yeah. Well, so <laughs> that brings up another point, actually, because it's, it's uh, you know, stairs can be unsafe. Other parts of the house can be unsafe, whether they're inside or outside, both for individuals like you mm-hmm. or for the people we're caring for. In your mm-hmm. case, it was a child. Mm-hmm. In many cases, paid or unpaid caregivers mm-hmm. are managing inside homes mm-hmm. in these not-so-good environments so they can be put at risk as well. I know we're here to talk a lot about homes, but you mentioned something interesting that I never really heard the term related to universal design, and it had to do with products. Is that where this all started, was with products? Well, the original uh, kind of design concept coming out of the 1980s by this fellow, Ron Mace, R.L. Mace, who we're, who we're named after, um, was applied principally to both architecture and industrial design, which is the, the profession that focuses on, on products. Hmm. And it, it's, it's expanded from there, but products is still a major issue. You can really have much more easy-to-use products in your house or products that maybe are more like most of us have every day. So for, this is even just for people without a physical limitation even, just to make a product, you know, more user-friendly or intuitive. Is that yeah. universal design? Yeah. When you talk about intuitive, that's a, that's a big issue. We're so much more electronically mm-hmm. oriented these days, mm-hmm. including in homes mm-hmm. with all of the electronic devices and remote controls for things mm-hmm. and, and automatic functioning items. It can be a real challenge to understand how to run them and how to run them properly. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very much uh, into promoting products that are easy to understand and easy to use, both from a cognitive right. perspective as well as physically. Taking away some of that electronic barrier that scares people to death. It can. I mean, you know, it's uh, in the olden days we used to say the VCRs we couldn't program them. Right <laughs> nowadays we've gone so far, so much far beyond that. Maybe it's the microwave you can only do two things on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes on and on. Yeah, I was had a, a funny conversation with my two older boys yesterday and or the day before yesterday, and we were looking at the TV, and I can now control the TV from my iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, when I was growing up, we used to have to turn a dial. My parents asked me to turn the dial. And then they said, back then? You were alive back then? I'm like, oh, my God. How old am I getting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but really, wow, what a yeah. change that's been even in my own lifespan. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Holy cow. One, one of the areas that people have lots of problems with these days seems to be still something as simple as your thermostat when we mm-hmm. get these programmable thermostats. Oh, I hate them. The they, t- they scare me. <laughs> the, t- the typical one has a has a tiny screen, hard to read, lots of buttons, That's very difficult so to figure it out. Yeah. And thankfully, these days they're coming out with thermostats with much bigger screens, uh-huh. color, fewer icons, less confusion, and much easier to use. And of course, as you said, they can be used with your with your iPhone or any of your uh, handheld smartphones. All I want is just a hot and cold button in and up and down. That's just easy for you me. Can do that. Can I just do that? It's, it's, <laughs> is it possible? Well, for me, yes. I do not like those things. Well, I, I, one of my criteria when I evaluate these kinds of things, if we have the opportunity to, is, you know, how simple is it, is it to use? Can your mom or my mom, or now I'll use you as an example, Nicole, <laughs> can any of us, you know, use this simply without having to go through five different layers of, of, the, uh, of the device to get at what we want to do? Wow. So when we come back from this break, I really want to talk a lot about, you know, how we can actually make the homes we're currently living in. Just like you said, AARP said 85% of people want mm-hmm. to age in place in their home. What can we do to upfit these homes to make them more age in place friendly? We'll be right back.
Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections. And joining me again is Richard Duncan, who's the executive director of the R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. And we are talking about how your home can help you age in place. So right before the break, Richard, we were talking, you know, just generally about what universal design is and just having a little laugh about some of the issues that we even have at our ages, let alone if we have a physical limitation. I think what the listeners would really benefit from are those people that are listening that are caregivers or potentially in that situation. Situation soon. What are some of the things that people should look out for in the home that they're currently in to help sort of avert the big crisis that might occur? Mm-hmm. You know, when you start noticing some mobility issues, mm-hmm. or maybe somebody's using a walker or a wheelchair, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe they're starting to need a little help in the bathroom. What are some of the things that we can do from a universal design perspective to make that more user friendly and safe? Sure. Well, this really gets into some of the, the custom small scale modifications you might consider. It's remarkable, for example, how a minor variation in a floor surface can really be a problem for someone who has mobility problems. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've seen, for example, both of my parents go th- down that, mm-hmm. that path. And even something as simple as a threshold between one room and another can be a real impediment or a real safety f- issue because mm-hmm. they may not see it, may not recognize it, and they may trip and fall. So removing mm-hmm. a threshold, which is oftentimes fairly simple, mm-hmm. um, can uh, be a big help in that regard. Just we that talked, tip of that toe catches it. Tip of that just toe like, catches. Just like those throw rugs. Those things are deadly. Throw rugs can be a real problem. So removing those or putting those out of the way mm-hmm. in places where you don't have a path to travel can make a big difference. Um, we talked before about... Um, uh, stairs and adding a handrail on both sides mm-hmm. is important. Adding a continuous handrail so people don't have to mm-hmm. lift their hand and put, place it differently. Um, adding extra lighting, which these days can be really simple just by unscrewing a low wattage. Mm-hmm. That's old-fashioned terms, isn't it? Yeah. You don't use wattage anyway. Put an LED in, right? right? <laughs> and put, well, you know, a, a while ago I was saying CFLs were easy <laughs> to do because they use less less power, but now it would be an LED. You can easily add a lot more light uh-huh. in an area just by doing that and it can make a big difference because low lighting in many people's homes can can be a contributing factor to falls. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, slippery stairs, so we can certainly advise <laughs> people to wear different footwear. Um, <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> and, and we can, in, in on stairs and other places in, in the house, uh, maybe add some uh, some slip-resistant surfaces that you can buy in, in various mm-hmm. hardware stores to keep people from slipping on stairs. I know one of the big issues that happens to older adults that really impact their ability to thrive in their homes is really a change in their nutritional status. And I think sometimes that happens. Yes, number one, maybe we're living alone, so we don't have that social environment where we're eating with another one. But then other things like just having to stand at that kitchen counter when you're already having a mobility issue, it's just just quicker to throw in that microwave meal that has high sodium. Mm. Are there things that you can do in the kitchen that are sort of simple things to help the kitchen more user-friendly for an older adult? Well, one of the issues with, uh, with 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 kitchens is if you're if you can't stand for as long mm-hmm. as you used to be able to, let's mm-hmm. say at the kitchen sink, yeah. or maybe at at a counter. Kitchen sinks are easy. Is to figure a way that they can sit on a stool at the kitchen sink by opening the doors. Mm-hmm. Some people even take the doors off permanently and have to kind of dress up that storage area uh-huh. underneath. So you can sit there and stick your knees underneath, so you can be relaxed, but mm-hmm. you can continue doing some of the daily activities that you normally do. Storage is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, we're used to storing things way high up in upper cabinets or way down low. Step on those low. step stools, so dangerous. That's right. That's how my grandmother fell and broke her hip. Uh, okay, well, see, your your uh, your family is a prime case. Here. I'm so, just wonderful here. So <laughs> re, re, yeah, uh, relocating storage, mm-hmm. all the daily and, and routinely uh, necessary items to places where you don't have to do that, to bend down yeah. low or reach up high mm-hmm. is a real uh, helpful thing. Definitely. So that's a little bit about how to sort of upfit a home that you're currently in. 
What about, let's think about, and I know we're not the society, that's the proactive society. We are very much crisis-driven oriented. I'm not going to deal with this until it hits me. But what are some things that we can do for listeners that are listening today? If we're thinking about building our next home or buying our next home or remodeling a home before we move in, what things can we do to kind of get us prepared? I know there's a lot of stigma. I don't want it to look handicapped. I don't want it to look institutional. I don't want to see grab bars. I don't want to see any of this stuff. I'll tell you what, I was in a 6,000 square foot home not too long ago. And after I left, they told me it was a universal design home. I would have never known it in a million years. It even had in the pantry was an elevator shaft. It's a pantry right now, but someday it's going to be an elevator. So let's talk a little bit about now, obviously we're not talking about all 6,000 square foot homes, but what should people do from the ground up to get their homes prepared? Well, one good thing we'd like to recommend to folks Mm -hmm. is if you're making uh, or planning for a remodeling project, maybe it's not with aging in place in mind Mm -hmm. necessarily, um, it's easy to include UD features in a project like that. And UD is? Universal design. Thank you for reminding me. It's easy to include those kind of helpful features Mm -hmm. if you're already planning a remodeling project in your kitchen or in a a bathroom Mm -hmm. um, with very little added cost. You know, remodeling is expensive, Mm -hmm. but if you're adding just a few features that will make a big difference, you don't have that big jump between Mm -hmm. what a regular remodeling project might be and something different down the line. So that's easy to do. Um, Also, even easier is if you happen to be in the fortunate position of maybe designing a new home, Mm -hmm. you can include a step pre-entrance with no worries. You can include slightly wider interior doorways to make Mm -hmm. traveling between rooms, make your movers very happy, for example, as well as if somebody visits or using a piece of equipment or maybe it's you Mm -hmm. later on. That can be easy. Really, the easiest room in the house, if you're doing a a newly constructed home, uh, to build in features that will work long term without many changes is the bathroom, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. orient the fixtures, provide Mm -hmm. the amount of space you need, and you don't even have to put in uh, grab bars. I mean, you didn't notice them in the house that Mm -hmm. that you visited. Mm -hmm. That's really key. If you don't want them and don't need them, and since so many people associate those with the stigma of aging, Mm -hmm. don't put any grab bars in. Just put blocking in behind the wall so that later on, if you need it, when and where you need it, you can have the support there when you want to. But or I've also heard, there, you know, although why wait until the time where you're going to fall and then need to put it in? I've heard that there's things that you can even put in that don't look like grab bars mm. but are really – is that true or is that – It is true. Okay. One of the wonderful things is first we, we got into nicer looking grab bars uh-huh. from different yeah. colors and yeah. different styles and so on, which is, which is wonderful. Now you can build things in around your toilet paper dispenser, mm-hmm. a soap dispenser in the, in the shower or the uh, tub area, around the mix valve in the tub, and really elegant looking towel bars mm-hmm. that double – as grab bars so that they don't look like a grab bar. Right. They don't seem like a grab bar, but they're always there if you need them getting on and off the yeah. toilet. Really, we all need things in the shower, I think, because it's a slippery It is a dangerous place. And have a thing like that would mean that you could maybe avoid some of the falls that might otherwise occur. Oh, or even thinking about, you know, we're not always just the only people in our homes. You may have right. an older person who's a guest right. that could really benefit from, you yeah. know, you could feel more comfortable letting yeah. grandma be in your bathroom knowing that she can grab onto something if right. she needs and give right. her more independence. Right. So... Exactly. Sure. Well, and you will have put in per, per, presumably some kind of slip-resistant flooring in the bathroom, mm-hmm. which would make that. You might even consider what has now become a very kind of sexy uh, bathroom feature that people are opting for, which is curbless showers. Yes. With these elegant kind of European looks to them. Uh-huh. You can have them in tile or stone or even prefab ones you can buy. Uh, looks great, works well for everybody. You never need to change except maybe adding a bar down the line. Right. That's awesome. Well, we have to take a quick break, believe it or not. We'll be right back. And joining me is Richard Duncan. And we are talking about how your home can help you age in place. 
Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections, and joining me is Richard Duncan, and we are talking about how your home can help you age in place. So we just have a few minutes left here today for the show, and I just wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to really highlight some of the really unique things that your organization, the R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute, is involved with in our area. And for those listening, you may not be aware that they are actually a nonprofit 501c3 organization, which is wonderful. So everything they do kind of goes right back into the community and supporting their work in getting universal design out there to help support all of us age in place. So talk to us a little bit, Richard, about Mm -hmm. what are some of the programs and projects you're working on? Well, we consult all the time with individuals, uh, uh, households, if they're thinking about remodeling or or building a new home. One of the issues we deal with, which maybe a lot of your listeners are thinking about, is the move or improve problem. Mm -hmm. How much do I put into my house? Should I put this amount of money into my house? Will it give me the result I'm looking Mm -hmm. for? And how can I retain the value of the house? So that's a critical decision that we can help with. We also do a lot of work with architects, interior designers, builders, and developers as they're considering moving into this area too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what people should know about. We have one new project that we're just starting up, thanks to a small grant from Carolina Meadows, which is a retirement community nearby that has us working in Chatham County this year on an educational project, which we do a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, in bringing this kind of information to both the housing industry, which includes realtors, um, appraisers, builders, remodelers, and Mm -hmm. those folks, um, and consumers, what they, much like we've been talking about on the show, what they can do in their house or if they're considering building a new house. Mm -hmm. That'll have us down there in 2016 doing that. We're also involved kind of the other end of the spectrum in a national design Mm -hmm. competition we're really happy to be part of. It's called Redefining Home, Home Today, Home Tomorrow. It's uh, by the National Neighbor Works Association, and it's a universally designed, remodeled home in Memphis, Tennessee, which will be jurying in May, uh-huh. and information will come out about how that goes uh, later in the summer. But if there's design teams who would like to apply, they can certainly contact us through our website, udinstitute.org, mm-hmm. and we'd be happy to give them information about that. Um, and another thing to mention um, is, again, on a national scale, we hold conferences periodically. The, the next one mm-hmm. we're working on now is coming up in uh, Charleston, West Virginia, not too far away, in 2017 in May. Wow. It's all about universally designed homes and housing. How fun is that? Yeah. It must be exciting to go to those. It's good. Lots of good ideas. You get lots of good ideas. People share their experiences from all over the country and really all all over the world. Uh, And you can exchange a lot of interesting ideas at those. So to be in this field of work, um, I know, you know, in healthcare, you get degrees in various different things. Are there certifications to be involved with universal design? Or could I just hang up my shingle tomorrow now that I think this is a cool idea and say, I'm a universal design expert? (laughs) Some people do. Uh, There aren't the kind of certifications that you have with lawyers or with doctors. Uh Um, You can take classes, though, and you can get um, some credentials from, there's a National Association of Home Builders class, Mm -hmm. um, a course, actually, a course of study Mm -hmm. that results in a a certification. They also have another class that we designed for home builders and for others in in the field uh, that deals more with the universal design side, Mm -hmm. not just the accessibility issues. Um, A lot of folks who come into the field come from healthcare, maybe occupational Mm -hmm. therapy. They may come from a remodeling platform, an architecture platform. My background's in planning, actually, mm-hmm. so you can come at, at different scales different to this kinds of same mm-hmm. same issue. Yeah, interesting. So I guess if you are going to be list- for those listening who thought this sounded like a great idea, and you're looking for potentially a builder, you're going to want to ask some of those probing questions. And if folks want to get a hold of you, Richard, and find out more information, get a referral, or perhaps have mm-hmm. you look at you know connecting them to some work, yeah. how would they go about doing that? Well, as I said, we have our website udinstitute.org, which they can look us up on. It has our contact information on there. 
Uh, I can give my phone number, um, 919-960-6734. We're happy to talk to anybody and provide information to them um, and help them out. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And as always, you may email your caring questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Thank you so much and have a great day. The purpose of Caring Connections is to educate listeners to help improve the quality of life for families, for professional caregivers, as well as those people affected with Alzheimer's disease. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno is supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. You can hear this and any other program of Caring Connections on WCHL's website, chapelboro.com. Be sure to email questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Caring Connections is a presentation of 97.9 FM, WCHL, Chapel Hill Carborough's News, Talk, and Tar Heel Station.